0: Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom Podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom Podcast. With me as always is Aaron Fleming. Buenos días, mis amigos. Buenos días. And Dirk Swistek. Hey, hey. You really need to come up with a better entrance than that.
1: That's it. That's what I got
0: uh and tolerating us right now is a very special guest uh ellison guest here uh to talk to us about leadership and cooperative learning welcome Allison.
2: hello gentlemen
0: well, i can tell she doesn't know us if she's calling us gentlemen
1: <laughs> i assumed she was talking to someone else
0: so ellison uh has been a leader in cooperative learning for well over a decade she has trained hundreds and hundreds of teachers. Uh, and she's moved from role as teacher trainer to instructional coach to department chair to assistant principal Uh, and in that role she has supported teachers use of cooperative learning so i thought we would spend a little bit of time getting to talk to allison and hearing about her journey and eventually hear about uh the ways that she's found to be most successful in making sure that teachers are using cooperative learning in the classroom so allison talk to us a little bit about uh how you got involved with cooperative learning
2: So I started teaching in 2005. And that same year, um, my department chair actually asked me to take Brown Book for cooperative learning. Um, I think that Aaron might have been there. I don't remember. Um, But then I um, started implementing it in my classroom, then I think right away, and things went well, things didn't go well. (laughs) Um, And then I want to say the next year, or maybe it was maybe 2007, then was asked to start training. So went and got trained then up with the Johnsons in uh, Minnesota. And then I feel like just kept doing more work and then being able to train um, teachers then in district 207 and a couple of people outside of the district. And then over time, just, I think I've, I've probably trained with all of you at some point, which has been awesome. So mostly I think with Aaron.
1: Mostly with Aaron.
2: Mostly with
1: Aaron. Much to your chagrin. (laughs)
0: No, I mean, the the first question of the night, I was going to
1: ask, who is your favorite person to train with? But we all know the answer. We all know the answer, so we don't have to ask that question. Derek It is not Derek (laughs) Swistack. No. Um, But I do have a good question for you right out of the gate here, Allison. You talked in your initial experience, once you started going with cooperative learning, that it went well, but then it didn't go well. Talk about that. What'd you, what'd you do? What did it take?
2: Gosh. Okay. So I remember the first time I did a jigsaw. Like I remember it was in the spring. So part of it too, was that, that fall I didn't use cooperative learning when I first started teaching that year and then started in the spring and then was using it with obviously the same students that I had for a year long class. So all I remember was like, okay, I'm going to try jigsaw because that was one of the first things that I remember we learned. And then it just, failed miserably. And it was based off of, I think, a group assessment that I wanted to give afterwards and they just didn't do very well. And in, and most of, th- most of the time I think it's like, oh, it didn't work. Well, then I'm not going to do it again. But I'm like, no, I got to figure out what went wrong and I got to try it again because my students aren't used to doing something like this. And so I do remember just thinking like, OK, I got to figure out what worked, what worked, what didn't work. I remember asking some students that I felt comfortable asking um, in class then too. And I think it was partly because they were so used to the sit and get that they just didn't even know how to actually work with one another and rely on one another. And so it was like, I remember that group and then trying it multiple times then again, either a jigsaw or some other cooperative activity. And then they started doing a little bit better and saw that it was actually working for them, that they were benefiting from learning from one another. And then I think that what, what the, um, something else that was affirming was that at that time, one of my professors, cause I was still doing my master's degree at, the University of Minnesota, she came down to watch me teach and gave me really good feedback on on noticing that I was actually using cooperative learning in the classroom and was very proud of me and told me that I just got to keep going with it, that this is not what students are used to, that they're used to very much more of that lecture style, and that this was going to benefit students and me in the long run. Um, and so it was really nice to be able to hear that, obviously from the students, then seeing seeing success, but then also from one of my I guess professor mentors that it just then was something I'm like nope I, okay I'm diving in I'm going to dive in and we're going to we're going to do this and we're going to do this better
1: um of the five <laughs> essential <laughs> elements Allison which one was the first one you tried and which one was the most difficult uh, uh
2: oh Derek that's a great question ah thing, you're like t- making like go, go back like years now thinking about this um okay I can tell you the one that was most challenging first, probably it's always the group processing. I don't know if you've talked about that with other people, but it was because it was always the one that I just never left time for. And I want to say like over time, obviously, like, I think it helped me once I started going through the training and realized the importance more of that piece and, um, leaving time, especially at the end of an activity. Um, easiest, um, I don't know i think at the time probably was i'll be honest probably individual accountability i think was just trying to figure out then like how is each person going to be um involved where i then could still see then what they were then um, providing for a group i'm always thinking about just like the individual accountability of like listening and actually taking note of what students are doing when they're talking in teams like i really appreciated um doing the clear a clear project then based off of cooperative learning and just that five minute walk um around which i really learned i think from roger um johnson was just like take your 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 clipboard and then walk around and tell students like i'm not going to talk to you it was just it's our uh, action research project i want to say i was really looking at the, the size of the group i was trying to figure out then like what size really mattered based off of um was it three or four, but then also then looking at, um, male and female of grouping heterogeneously and homogeneously based off of gender, how that worked based off of the number in the group. And I'd have to go back and actually look a little bit more at my research, but I just noted, I just remember that females felt more comfortable than being in homogeneous groups than in heterogeneous groups. But I did can I kind of get it off on a tangent here of um, kind of noting your, your question related to, yeah, I got a clear project, but, um, I just remember, um, walking around then and doing my tally marks and like telling my students, like I'm tracking data. And I was looking at the time. I remember it was encouraging, um, encouraging words and students obviously were picking up on it, but it was really nice because you're talking about that piece of like, sometimes it's that initial mechanical movement of like, it's really not, it, I, you look at the students and be like, they're just doing it because I told them to do it. But then I really loved seeing over a quarter, over a semester that even when I stopped actually collecting data, they were still doing it. Like they were still contributing. I could still see then like students were accountable for, you know, one another. I don't know, I get the. I guess the heart, I guess I'm getting all around like almost all five of our, our piece of, of, um, of, of pig space here. But yeah, I mean, the, the heart of, I think, the work, though, is still the positive interdependence. I was just listening to Aaron talk about that, actually, the other day. And it was just like nice um, reaffirming of all the different pieces that come with a positive interdependence, because I feel like if you don't have that, then I don't, I don't know what you have. Then I know we talk about the difference between group work and cooperative learning and the importance of having all five essential elements involved. But I really think that if you don't have that positive interdependence, then I kind of thinking like, well, then what are you doing? With cooperative learning so
1: yeah i was in a classroom today it's interesting that you mentioned that too i was in a classroom today and it was very clear that kids were developing positive independence in this group and that's why that group was very successful because the group mates were supporting one another and really building that interdependence with each other and then you had other groups that were really struggling through that so like if if as a teacher as the practitioner you don't think that through and you're not really trying to build that in there. It's, it's difficult for some groups to get there.
2: Did you say you were observing that in another class?
1: Yeah, it was just a class that I was in and nothing, you know, all the groups were doing something, but it was just interesting that some groups were more interdependent than others. And it was really, you could tell by their questions, you could tell that they were, they just had that relationship.
2: Can I ask a question? Natural. Sure. What kind of feedback did you get to the teacher? we talked
1: a little bit about like what were the pieces that worked well for that group and why did it work well? And, and uh, you know, were, was, were those kids that knew each other really well, were those kids that didn't know each other so well, were the kids that, you know, typically study together, you know, like what was the thing?
2: Mm-hmm. That's good though. I mean, right. I think that's the part is making sure that the teacher sees what was working. If they didn't notice themselves, if like you pointed out then to read like, again, it's that, noticing that there's cooperative learning that's going on in the classroom and pointing out where you see it actually embedded within a certain group versus another group and then like why did that work well versus other groups not working well so that's awesome
0: this is a great spot to pause our conversation with allison guest i apologize for some of the echo that you were hearing in the recording we diagnosed it so parts two and beyond will be echo free but until then let's cooperate Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2021. The theme music, courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.